Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Deep Dive. We have a good one for you today. We're going to be going through all of our Kraken player grades for the full season. If you remember, we did this back uh, at the mid-season point. We had a lot of fun doing that. Everybody seemed to enjoy it a lot. Uh, but now with the complete picture, we can really, you know, suss out who, who was good, who was bad, uh, who needs to work on what, and who excelled at what. So that should be a lot of fun. But got a couple, you know, housekeeping things to do first, talk about some news events. But of course, RJ, I got to start with my cold open, ask you the question I've not prepped you for yet. All right. In light of some of the NHL news of today, that including Barry Trotz being fired by the Islanders and Pierre Maguire being let go by the Ottawa Senators, of course, another person with some NHL coaching experience, I have a, I have a little bit of a question for you. Would you rather have Pierre Maguire be the head coach of the Seattle Kraken or Barry Trotz, but you have to trade both Jared McCann and Yanni Gord? Ooh, that is a rough question. It's a three-year contract, and they are both playing it like they're going to be there for the three years. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay, so and he's got to play out the the coach out the whole three-year contract. Yep. This is for, okay. Um, you know, I, I've got to go Barry Trotz here. <laughs> this is not a comment. This is not a comment on, on Yanni Gord or uh, Jared McCann. This is more a comment on Pierre Maguire than anything. Um, man, yeah, he, yeah. what, he only last 10 months in Ottawa? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it was a rough situation there. You know, just, just long enough to just ruin that draft for them last year. That was really what he was there for. Um but yeah, I mean, originally I thought of this question, I thought it was, you know, Barry Trotz, but you have to lose one of Gord or McCann. But I was like, that's too easy. Yep. <laughs> but both of them, both you really got to think the, about it. The only name that was going to make me really think is you threw in veneers there and then you pick him over anyone. But yeah, that's what I uh, figured. Yeah. As long as he's not included, I go Trotz. Exactly. So um, why don't we go ahead and dovetail into talking about Barry Trotz now, who, like I said earlier, was let go. Um, by the Islanders, pretty surprising move, RJ. I mean, obviously they didn't make the playoffs this year, but there's a lot of reasons for that between COVID, not being able to play at home for like forever to start this season, it seemed like. Um, and just, I mean, you and I have, have, we've briefly touched on him in the past on our various podcasts, but we both love him and, and what he brings to organizations. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, certainly top five you know culture wise coaching ability wise um just a fantastic coach and uh with the islanders you never know what lou lamorello is going to do mm -hmm. uh that's really where you know the surprise co element comes in where uh we certainly didn't see this coming i i don't think many people did no uh but you can never be too surprised when lou decides to pull the trigger on something uh i think he just felt that the group needed a different voice. And we do see this even with some of the best coaches. Every coach, I think, has an expiration date, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at some point with their team or the team just needs a new voice, even if the coach is very good. Um, and I think Lou just thought that was the situation with the Islanders right now. Yeah, it's just crazy considering the success that they've had, how well they played the second half of this year, too. It wasn't mm -hmm. like it like I guess that's the thing. He hasn't really been there that long. This isn't like a Lindy Ruff situation where it's like, oh, it's been 11 years and we're kind of like 500 now for a while. So we it's time to bring in a new voice. You're talking right back to back 
conference championships. And then this year where, like I said, you had kind of every reason in the world not to make the playoffs. It just, it, it feels like we hadn't quite gotten to that point yet, but I guess who are we to argue with Lou Lamarillo? <laughs> I know. And normally I defer to him on a lot of these things. You know, he, he tends to certainly know better than us, I would say. But this one did feel puzzling, like a really short leash type of situation. And there were so many excuses this season. Usually a coach of that caliber mm-hmm. will at least get one more year to, you know, and if that repeats, then then you look at other yeah. things, especially since he had one year left on his deal anyway. I right. think we were just really surprised to see that. And and Lou, I think, did mention, he's like, this is nothing against Barry Trotz as a coach yeah. or a person or anything. So he didn't do anything. Like, that was my first thought is like, did he do something? Is mm-hmm. there something we don't know? But I, I don't think that's the case. No. And, you know, for what it's worth, I've met him on one occasion at an NHL draft conference. Very, very nice. One of the nicest uh, of the coaches. Him and John Tortorella. Who knew? Who knew? Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, seemed like a very nice, pleasant human being, um, a very approachable, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely surprising, but it does mean Barry Trotz is on the market. I think, you know, Kraken have made it pretty clear. Hackstall is going to be the coach next year. I don't think that they're going to fire him to bring in Barry Trotz, but I think you and I would both be on board if they did. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, this is why we're talking about it on the deep dive podcast. Um, I've had a lot of people, you know, kind of reach out on Twitter mm-hmm. or various social media uh, asking, you know, should the Kraken fire Dave Haxtell and go out and get Barry Trotz? And my answer to that would be, in theory, yes. But, you know, when you take reality at all into the situation, no. Uh, and, you know, to explain that, you know, Barry Trotz, as we talked about, is pretty inarguably a top five coach in the NHL. In my opinion, he is the best coach in the NHL. I don't know if you agree with that, but he's certainly in that conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it for me, it's kind of like an ever rotating him, John Cooper, Mike Sullivan kind of thing. Yeah. 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 But he's certainly in that top tier. I think there for are sure. only a handful of like franchise changing coaches out there, guys who have that command, that culture, and they can consistently compete for a Stanley Cup wherever they go. Mm-hmm. And Barry Trotz is certainly in that category. And we've seen the difference that a coach like that can make, too. And very quickly. I mean, look at Daryl Sutter completely turning the flames around yeah. uh, this season. And also what Trotz was able to do with the Islanders, with the Capitals yeah. before that, uh, winning the Stanley Cup, and also establishing a culture with the Nashville Predators coming in there as an expansion team, mm-hmm. as their first ever coach. Uh, it's rare to find a guy with that kind of resume. So any team that isn't completely satisfied with their coaching situation, I think should look into the possibility of bringing in Barry Trotz. Now, if the Kraken are confident they can get him, I think we both agree absolutely they should do it, right? Yeah. It'd be a massive upgrade and a, and a big signal to everyone, too. We're serious about winning and mm-hmm. winning right away. Uh, but if you're Barry Trotz, I don't know why you would take the Kraken coaching job. I mean, he's going to have a huge amount of interest around the league. His agent's phone's going to be ringing nonstop. You've got, you know, already, I think, like Vegas, number one, you know, yeah. potentially with DeBoer and Detroit is going to be there. And I'm sure many other teams who even probably still have a head coach right now. And we just haven't seen it because lots of teams could be looking to upgrade. They're... And I just don't know why you take the Kraken job over that. Right. I was going to say there could potentially be playoff teams right now that are already interested that if they lose in the first round, go ahead. Florida, they're still working with an interim head coach. They have not removed the interim title from their head coach. If they get bounced by the Capitals in the first round, tell me they're not going to be interested in trying to bring him in. Yep. And heck, even Colorado, if they totally sputter in the second round. 
yeah. uh, is, is a possibility. There are going to be a lot of attractive destinations. I think at the very least half a dozen uh, mm -hmm. that, that he's going to have options to go to that are probably going to be more attractive than what Seattle can do. Now, maybe you can close that gap with enough money, uh, but it's going to be a lot. And I don't think the Kraken have any desire to do that either. No. So I'd say overall the chance of getting trots are next to zero yeah it's a it's it's also a risky proposition like i know everybody has their own feelings on hackstall at this point right and and everybody's made them clear at least within our community what that is whether it's supportive or not but i think the best thing for the kraken right now is consistency we talk about one of the big struggles leading you know that kind of stuck with them through most of last year was lack of consistency, whether that was stuff that Hackstall was in control of, like the lines constantly being shifted, everybody's all over the place lineup-wise, um, or stuff outside of Hackstall's control, injuries, the fact that the team, you know, had basically no training camp because they were an expansion team and all that kind of stuff. But it does seem like consistency was at the root of a lot of the Kraken's problems. So to just fire your coach after year one, just to pursue another, you know, yes, better coach, um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, like I said, if you if you're like a, a thousand percent confident you're getting Barry Trotz, you can make that move. But if you're not, it makes no sense to do it. I think you got to let things play out with Hackstall for a little bit longer, just to have some consistency in that building. Because otherwise, building a culture that's going to have any staying power is going to be near impossible. Exactly, and I'm all I'm completely with you on the consistency front, and I think that's going to be very important and a reason that I really you know would not support getting rid of Hackstall at this point, uh, with you know one or two exceptions as far as coaches you could potentially bring in, but you better be sure you can get them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. So those are our thoughts on Barry Trotz and his being available. <laughs> Surprise yeah. news of the day. Um, what else happened, RJ? That's uh, now, before we move on. I think we should mention one more thing, and that is Mitch Corn. Yeah, uh, who is the goalie coach with the Islanders, and he's kind of been attached to Barry Trotz for the last long while. They've been a package <laughs> deal, really, um, and that would be another good reason to to go out and get Barry Trotz because yeah. you'd be hard pressed to find a better goaltending coach uh, than Mitch Corn. I mean, one of the top ones in the league. Now, if Barry Trotz were to let's say take next season off. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Or if they somehow stop being a package deal and Mitch Korn was available, the Kraken should absolutely go yes. after him with whatever resources you need. Uh, because we do know the Kraken are the market for a goalie coach. That much has been confirmed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think you can find anyone better. No, no, not at all. Just go look at his resume everywhere he's been. I, I mean, again, just look at Barry Trotz's resume for the last little bit and look at one of the things that his teams have, have had in spades, and that's been goaltending. Absolutely. Everywhere he's gone, Barry Trotz has had great goaltending, and it's because of Mitch Korn. There's just no way of, you know, there's no other way of saying it. And so, uh, yeah, for sure. If the Kraken have the chance of getting Mitch Korn, you, you, you for sure shoot that shot every day. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. So what other stories you want to talk about, RJ? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we have some Kraken players that are going to the IHF world championships, mm -hmm. um, in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, and there's actually, let's see, we, there are five in total. We reported four of them last week yeah. from the end of season interviews, but there's actually a surprise fifth one that we didn't know about until today. Um, so let's just start on those players. We'll start with Philip Grubauer. Uh, he was the first one that we knew about. He told us 
at the uh, end of season media interviews that he was going to play in the worlds. And he's already uh, in Germany at the moment. Uh, he's made a stopover in Germany before going to the worlds, got to play uh, a, I think it was an exhibition game with the German national team in Germany, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Get to play in front of your home country and their fans and everything. Um, so good for him uh, doing that. I think he also made a little stopover in uh, Rosenheim, his, his hometown. So that was really nice. Um, so that's Grubauer. Um, then for Team Canada, we've got Chris Drieger, the other goalie, um, getting to represent his country there. And then the surprise, uh, Morgan Geeky. Mm-hmm. How about that? That's that's pretty good for him, huh? Yeah, I, I was very surprised by that. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. But, you know, didn't have the strongest finish the second half of the, right. the NHL season with the Kraken and stuff. So I was kind of surprised that he was on the radar. Um, I got to think it's... You know, it's one of those size with that shot and face-off ability kind of thing, you know, um, can be a good depth player for them. But uh, yeah, I was surprised, but I think it's a it's a pleasant surprise. Definitely. And I think that'll be good for him um, and the Kraken, too, mm-hmm. just as to get him that kind of experience playing with some of those players uh, and just getting some more reps in, because I think he kind of needs that, uh, yeah. especially the way the season ended. I think he did end the season on a high note, maybe the last three or four games. He yeah. came in and had that line with Shane and Donskoy that did really well. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone, some scouts saw that and be like, look, right now he's playing some good hockey in a bottom six yeah. role and we could use him for Team Canada. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But uh, but yeah, ex- excited for him, for sure. Yeah. And then uh, the final two are Adam Larson, who's going to be playing for Team Sweden, and Carson Kuhlman for Team USA. And I- I'm so happy for-, mm-hmm. for Carson to see getting to represent his country there. And clearly, uh, you know, someone took notice of how well he's played over down the stretch. Yeah, and that's... That's the big thing, because, you know, we all saw it. I think all, you know, obviously you and I did. We were talking about him every post game, But I know just about everybody in the Kraken community was singing his praises through the 25 games that he played with them. And so I'm very, very happy to see that, you know, that effort that he was showing for the Kraken and stuff. Yes, it didn't help the Kraken get to the playoffs or anything, but that it is being rewarded um, by getting that roster spot. Yep. And, uh... So that's that's it for the uh, Kraken players going to the World Championships. Good luck to all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll try and be following that along as much as yeah. we can. I, I don't know how much of that will be really watchable or time zone wise, but uh, good luck to all of them. And then we do have one more bit of Kraken news, mm-hmm. and that is a free agent signing, a European free agent signing. So speaking of, uh, you know, Finland and Helsinki, Finland, where the worlds are. Uh, the Kraken signed a defenseman, uh, Petro Sepala, out of Finland. Uh, he's a 21-year-old defenseman. They signed him to a two-year entry-level contract uh, that will start next season. Yeah, so we'll see. Got to think probably going to the Firebirds, realistically. Um, yep. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, excited about it. It's always nice to, to welcome a, a new squid into the, into <laughs> the family, right? Exactly, and I'm, I'm always supportive of these euro free agent signings because mm-hmm. there's so little risk to it i mean yeah. you bring a player in there's there's no downside really aside from the salary which is near league minimum so yeah. um yeah interested to see what he can do yep and uh, as we saw this year you never know what's going to happen injury wise and stuff having as many kind of guys around as possible that you can be bringing up sending down all that stuff it matters <laughs> yes <laughs> really really matters we saw how how much that matters this year so exciting that and you know we can expect a lot of these kinds of signings, I think, as they have to fill out a full AHL 
roster now, now that they're not going to be sharing with um, Florida down there in Charlotte. So ex- I expect to, to kind of hear more and more of this as we go. Agreed. Um, well, I mean, there was one more signing, wasn't there, RJ? Yes, actually, that happened today. Yeah. Uh, the Kraken re-signed uh, Max McCormick. Uh, you know, he spent some time with the Kraken, most of his time in Charlotte this season, but they signed him to a two-year extension. Now it is a two-way extension. The NHL salary is 762500 so that would be the AAV on that. Uh, there's a separate AHL salary or minor salary uh, that we don't know what it is yet. It, it hasn't been disclosed, but that's what a two-way deal means. So he'll make a different salary in the minors versus in the NHL. Um, but I'm happy with the signing. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Ron Francis pointed out that, uh, you know, they're excited about uh, his leadership also in Charlotte. Uh, He's done a good job there. And when he's come up to the Kraken, I thought he's performed well. Yeah, I I did too. I think, as I was just saying with the last signing, same thing kind of here. You need to fill out that roster. You need guys that you know you can count on to call up to the Kraken if, if, when you need to. And I definitely think Max McCormick falls into that category. You know you can rely on him to be a bottom six guy for however long you need him um, because he proved that this year with the team. Uh, I'm just looking at it right now because, you know, we're probably not going to be giving him a, a, a final season grade given how little he played, but he did play 10 games with the team. I know he didn't get any points, but he finished, he finished a plus one, which on this team is pretty impressive. <laughs> Yes, and, and some of his advanced numbers, too, over a very small sample size, of course, but, yes. but looked pretty good. Um, so, yeah, and reliability. That's the number one thing mm-hmm. you mentioned. It uh, You know exactly what you're getting when you call him up yeah. and put him in that fourth line role. Yep, consistency, reliability. These are the things that we're looking for moving into season two because I think that's the stuff that uh, you know hurt the Kraken a lot season one, um, which we can go ahead and kind of get into now. As we talk about everybody. Um, all right. So final season grades, RJ, should we do this the way we've done it all year long? Net out? Yes. Let's all right. do it. Gots to. Um, I think we have to start with Philip Grubauer. Mm-hmm. Obviously got the lion's share of the work for the Kraken this year. We all know how the season started, but season finished you know, pretty decently for Philip Grubauer. It did. He was certainly someone who improved a lot from the start of the season. Um, it definitely got better as 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 things went on. I think he cleaned up a lot of aspects of his game. It's tough, really, when you're giving him an overall season mm-hmm. grade because you do have to take the beginning of the season into account. You have to look at the total package. Um, and I think grade-wise, I, I think if in the mid-season grades, I gave him an F. Yeah. Uh, I think that was justified. Uh, and, you know, I think he's gotten his play up to maybe C level, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by the end of the season, I go halfway between F and a C and I, I'll give him a D on the season. Okay. I think I gave him a D. We really should, have, we should have looked this up before. <laughs> I did actually, okay, I have okay. it here. So okay, you can cool. ask me if you want to know. Um, I think I gave him a D cause I, you know, there was plenty of times where I did feel like it was always his fault. Defense was plenty mm-hmm. bad. Uh, lots of odd man rushes, breakaway opportunities and stuff puts the goaltender in a tough situation. I think that, yes, he, he's brought his game up to a C level. I'm giving him a C. It's a passing grade um, for the season as a whole because he really did turn things around later in the year. Yes, wins were still hard to come by, but that was a, that's a team issue. 
all the way around. They couldn't score a lot of nights for him. Uh, the Kraken, some of the nights that he kept them in it, was able to pick up a couple shutouts. I think that was huge for, for him and the team to be able to you know kind of check that off uh, as far as franchise firsts. I think that was a big deal for everybody. And um, yeah, just, just making the numbers not completely horrific. The save percentage, the 889 save percentage for the season, not great. The 316, though, goals against average, it's, you know, it's, again, it's not great either, but it's, it's not horrible. Like we've seen, we've seen worse from backups. Right. And, uh, you know, the number I look at too, is the goal saved above expected. Yeah. Uh, and the final season total of, of negative 30, you know, 31.3, mm-hmm. uh, which is the worst single season total since Ben Scrivens in 2015. Yeah. Um, so it's not good. No. But it was it about I think twenty seven or twenty eight below in January. Yeah. So it tells you he's really cleaned things up since then. Um, yep. It's gotten a lot better. It's still not in the positive mm-hmm. since then. So he he still has uh, allowed more goals than one would expect. Uh, you know, given the shot quality. Of course, there's other factors that that maybe that doesn't take into account. Um, but that's where I get the C from. But then the F at the start of the season. Yeah. It, agreed. I, I'm. You know, we'll see. I'm going to be more generous probably again uh, for, okay. for, for all the defensemen and the goaltenders, and then it'll switch when we get to forwards. Probably. That is how it worked last time. I'm interested to see yeah. if it uh, goes that way this time. Yeah, but I think Philip Grubauer, I, I'm I'm okay giving him the C for all said and done, um, working through everything mentally, and the fact that, you know, really, I mean, we don't know internally what the plan was, but certainly all of us from the outside were thinking that this was going to be a pretty even split with Drieger, and yeah. it didn't turn out that way. Uh, Drieger had lots of injury issues earlier on in the season, and Grubauer really had to step up with this new team that was playing together you know, for the first time, essentially, and all that kind of stuff. And so he, he also had to deal with all that stuff. So I'm... I'm going to try and be sympathetic and, and factor that. Stuff I do in. think he deserves credit for that. Like it's certainly holding up, you know, physically too, just with that yeah. kind of workload. Cause if he had gotten hurt, if he couldn't handle that just physically, mm-hmm. then the Kraken are in real, real trouble. For sure. For sure. So, um, those are our thoughts on Philip Grubauer. I'm sure that's one where we're going to get plenty of comments. Oh yeah. From people. Yeah. Uh, myself, especially I'm sure. Well, I think, I think people go both ways on that one. It's like Hackstall. Everybody's got an opinion, yeah. and they're pretty broad where those opinions can fall. Um, Chris Drieger. So I just talked about you know injury issues earlier on in the season, kind of kept him out for a little while, and then it was obvious kind of each time he worked himself back from those injuries that it would take him a game or two to kind of get back up to speed of things. But very similar to Grubauer, felt like started the season off very, very rough, but kind of finished strong. He did. Uh, again, real rough start to the season with the injuries and everything around him, mm-hmm. too. Uh, just tough to deal with. And I think in the midseason rankings, I, I kind of wanted to give him an incomplete. And yeah. you agreed at that point, too. He'd only played a handful of games. We felt like we didn't have a big enough sample size. Uh, and things didn't get a whole lot more stable from there. A little mm-hmm. bit, but uh, still never really got uh, into that rhythm until the mm-hmm. very end of the season. And once he did, I thought he did a lot better. Uh, still some consistency issues to work out. I mean, you look at the last yeah. game of the season, you know, if yeah. he had played really well and finished strong with that one, I might have a better uh, grade here, but I- I'm going to go with just a, a straight C, mm-hmm. um, you know, good enough, you know, given how tough the circumstances were, but you still would like to see better next season. 
you would um see this one's kind of harder for me because i finished i feel like he he finished better his you know at least traditional numbers are better than grubauer's um, that's true but at the same time i felt like on a night in night out basis there was a lot more holes to his game that i could point out it felt like there was more goals that were happening because of his issues than let's say the defense where with grubauer it kind of felt the opposite and it ultimately comes down to me with to his aggressive positioning which you can get away with at times like that's one of those things some goaltenders are just going to live and die by it think jonathan quick right yep. gets a shutout last night against the oilers but you know previous two games he was rocking a six eight five goals against average right like it's one of those things it can come and go um but for me the rebound control has to be worked on this offseason because there were just so many times that he was not only allowing rebounds, but he was unable to control where those rebounds were going and they were just spitting right back out to the opposing team or they were spitting out to the side of him where then they, you know, if anybody gets there, it's just a wide open net. Like he didn't have good, you know, a lot of good goaltenders, if you watch them and, and even Grubauer is able to do this, right? okay, I know I'm going to be letting up a, a rebound because the shot's going to hit my pad or it's going to hit me in the chest and it's a heavy shot. I know the rebound's coming. How can I angle myself so that the rebound's going to go to the least dangerous area, right? And, and a lot of goaltenders do that. They'll kick out their pad. They'll send it off to the corner with their stick, maybe anything like that. He didn't really do that at all. Like it just seemed like every rebound he gave up, which was a lot, were always still just in high danger situations. And so for me... That's something that I feel like is you're always going to be playing with fire. And that scares me from a goaltending standpoint. Like I don't want my goaltender to always be playing with fire. And so I don't know. I'm still going to go with a C like you. I'm going to match that grade. But I, I feel like there's more stuff to be worked on with him than I do with Grubauer. Agreed. Yeah. It, it just going by results. But what's good though is that he seems really willing to work on it too. Yes. I mean, he, he's seen you know a sports psychologist he's trying to get that part of his game right he's tweaking things he's making adjustments i'm confident that he's uh, going to be able to do the right things and improve yeah and you know we still don't know what the goaltending situation how it's all going to shake out for the kraken either That's sorry true. to bring that up everybody i know how heartbreaking it is for everyone um so probably not a quite a large enough sample size to talk about joey decor but I, f I feel like we should go ahead and, and talk about him briefly anyway. Obviously, A-plus season down in Charlotte. Absolutely yes. fantastic. Great job, Joey. You, you deserve all that. With the Kraken, I don't know. We had that early season, like, well, it just seemed like the team was kind of screwing him over on the few starts he got. But towards the end of the year, we were like, well, maybe he's just having issues. <laughs> well, because he got that one start late, too, mm -hmm. in the season. And even then, I thought he was just put in a really bad spot. Yeah, he, was he was clearly tired after making that trip over. We both talked about it before the game, that they should not have started him. This was yeah. a bad idea. And it went exactly how you would have expected. The team, first of all, did not play good defense in front of him. No. Uh, and then second, Decord also just was not good enough. But mm -hmm. I, I don't know what else you could have expected. And, and it just goes along with the entire season where he's been put into some of the worst situations at the NHL level. Uh, and he's done about as well as one could expect, but still, I don't know. I, I still don't know what grade to give him. I, I don't either. Obviously, five games played, four starts, four losses, eight five zero save percentage, four three goals against average. Those are not good. 
by any standard. Like your NHL yep. backup should be better than that. Uh, obviously, small sample size, but it, yeah, they were just, they were all rough. If but they very much felt like some of those early Grubauer starts where it was you could certainly pin some of those goals squarely on the defense and just be like no goaltender was going to have a chance based on what they were letting up. But at other times, you know, there were there were times where he just let stuff get by him. Yeah, and and un- but unlike some of those Grubauer starts. I felt like he made some just miraculous tier saves yeah. as far as how much he was let down. But yeah, overall, it's it's just not good enough. So I don't know what grade to give him. Yeah. And then as far as like anything you want to see him work on, for me, I had no idea he was 6'2 watching him play. He plays no, so he small. Baseball. Yep. Um, just get get kind of bigger in the net i know it's it's easier said than done Mm -hmm. um but there are ways you can work on that too you know with with your stance kind of with your positioning too is he really six two that's what he's listed as that's what i'm saying like i just had to go and double check he's listed six two one ninety seven hmm well (laughs) i wouldn't have guessed that no uh not at all so uh yeah you know body posture uh head up neck straight shoulders back and down Maybe just try to get yourself a little bigger. I don't know. I'm no, <laughs> I'm no Mitch Korn, that's for sure. Um, all right, defenseman. we got to start with the Iron Man, Big Cat, mm-hmm. Adam Larson. Uh, A+, plus. nothing else needs to be said. I mean, that's certainly your evaluation. I'm not far off here. Uh, we all know how you feel about Adam Larson. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give him an A+. Uh, you know, the steadiness, the leadership, especially to mm-hmm. uh, Vince Dunn talked about that at the end of season media day, uh, you know, how much that Adam Larson had helped him uh, come along and grow. And, and you saw even Vince Dunn pick up some Larson like mm-hmm. defensive traits as the season went on. So that's something that um, also, you know, adds to his grade. But yeah, the Iron Man, the stability, um, the playing really tough minutes, too. Yeah. You know, he really was that minute muncher, number one defenseman for the crack in the season. And Yes, the the advanced numbers, you know, don't look great. I, I'm sorry to bring it up, but, uh, you know, the expected goal percentage on the ice, 40.1%. That's last among Kraken defensemen. Um, but again, he was playing tougher minutes, tough competition, mm-hmm. and also, you know, shackled to Jeremy Lausanne for some time mm-hmm. this season as well. Um, but once he and Vince Dunn, you know, really solidified and got that stability, I think uh, it was a good deep pair. Yeah, you know, you look at it having to play as many minutes a night as he did, over 22, uh, a lot of that on the PK, right? You know, he was always out there for those. Uh, defensive zone starts, 61.3%. So that's a lot. (laughs) That's very heavy. Um, So yeah, there are are some reasons you can kind of dig into. And then yes, the Jeremy Lazon stuff, let us not forget that from the beginning of the year. Remember that second Vegas game, everybody? When Larson literally practically put a gold knight on his back to try to get over to cover for the other guy that Lausanne left behind him. And he almost did it. So yep. um, there was instances like that. But at the same time, took a step forward offensively. Doubled his career high in goals. Got to eight goals. That was something I wasn't expecting. Uh, new career high for him with 25 points. I think that's fantastic. Um, for me defensively just doing all the little things right knew exactly when to step up and try to body somebody in the neutral zone or lay out a big hit really the only member of the kraken decor that you could count on for big hits at any point this season which you know is interesting and we'll get into with some other people um 
kind of the only member of the Kraken to, to use his stick to try to disrupt either passing lanes or certainly puck carriers, right? Poke checking, like kind of the only Kraken defenseman to really do that consistently this year. Um, and then obviously you just felt like defensively there was very few times in which he was out of position, which was definitely an issue for a lot of guys this year on the team. So all of that, you know, maybe it, Maybe it's because I'm grading on a curve. Certainly if you're grading on a curve, he's like, you know, A plus material all the way. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe I am. The one thing I will say, though, buddy, stop taking dumb penalties. Yes. Don't, don't that, get... And that is something we highlighted in the midseason grades, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it did continue. Yep. He did continue that uh, that fiery ginger beard get through his head a little bit and, and he'd get upset and he would just get pissed off and he would just take it out on somebody. And, you know, much like you tell like kindergartners, you just can't do that. It's not cool. And I like how you mentioned in the mid season grades too, you know, he'll get mad at someone, usually his own team. It feels like yes, <laughs> for letting him down. Uh, at least he was, it seemed like he was mad at opponents more uh, over the second half of the season. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And I get it. Frustrating season all the way around. And, that, and again, that being said, only 55 penalty minutes on the year. That's that's hardly a yeah, lot. The team. Yeah, yep. it's hardly a lot. But there were certainly times where it was like, you know, Kraken were still within one or something, and it's late in the third, and it's just you can't be taking a penalty there. Yep. All right. So I did A+. What What'd you end up giving him? I forgot. An A. Okay. Which is basically an A+. I Yeah, I rarely... College I rules, like you know? I only hand out like one A+. I probably should have done more. <laughs> It's it's, uh, it's it's college rules. There's no supposed to take mm-hmm. as an A plus. Um, all right, where 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 should we go next on this defensive core? Should we go Vince Dunn? Yeah, let's do his partner Vince Dunn. Yeah, um, another guy. You know, surprisingly, that time on ice really picked up over the course of the year and finished. You know, twenty minutes, forty one seconds a night. That's pretty impressive for a guy that you know. At, I know at the midpoint we weren't really sure what we were getting from him yet. Exactly. We weren't quite sure what the role was. It, it seemed like he was playing similarly to how he did in St. Louis, but did the Kraken really want him to be this, you know, number one defense, even, you know, kind of point getter? They didn't have him on the first unit power play at that point. That, of course, changed uh, when Mark Giordano went to Calgary. Uh, but I think overall, as a body of work, um, you know, he led the blue line in points very quietly, getting 35 points in like 70 something games, you know, half a point a game. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had, you know, the highest uh, relative expected goals for percentage, you know, 49 percent mm-hmm. with him on the ice, 44 without. I think he improved defensively, as we talked about, learning some things from Adam Larson. Um, and overall, I'm OK with it. I give him a B. Yeah, I, I would. I was right on the cusp of like that B plus A minus thing. And I think I settled at B plus just because of the penalties. Mm-hmm. Still, a lot of times he'd find himself in penalty trouble just for for little things, things that I think are going to iron out the more he works with Adam Larson. Maybe you learn the tricks of what you can get away with, what not to. Or when you find yourself in a sticky defensive situation, how to handle it in a way where the ref's going to be less likely to call it on you. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. I feel like it was much more from just not knowing certain nuances than from let's say getting pissed off at somebody, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a difference there. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, picked it up. I liked him running, you know, working on the power play. Obviously the power play as as a whole was just bad, but I, I put that more on coaching than any one individual player. 
Um, and I certainly don't think it was his fault, but I liked him on that first unit and I liked what he was able to do as he got more minutes as the, as the year went on. I starting to think though, you know, he was pretty sheltered, basically 62% of the time offensive zone starts. I think it's a lot. I think that that's ready to change though. I think he could probably drop down to like 55% next year, just based on how well he was handling himself in the defensive zone towards the end of the season. Agreed. And especially if the Kraken get another puck moving defenseman that they bring in that they feel like can handle decent minutes. Mm -hmm. Because that was what was difficult too, is any of these offensive situations you kind of have to give to Vince Dunn because he's the only guy that can generate a ton of offense from the blue line. Yes, I know you had Carson Soucy step up, you had Larson step up, but as far as someone who's really meant to be doing that, Vince Dunn for a while was the only guy on the team. Exactly. So, um, and, and the big thing was he's, he fixed, you know, the bad pinches because at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year, he was the culprit of a lot of those odd man rushes and breakaway attempts that Grubauer had to deal with. Oftentimes it was Vince Dunn, you know, misreading a situation or whatever. And that for sure stopped uh, as the year went on. So definitely, definitely great job there. Uh, Next defenseman we'll talk about. Let's make it Jamie Alexiak. We'll just go in order of games played here. Um, 72 games played for Jamie Alexiak. This one tough because I liked him towards the beginning of the year obviously then has that kind of weird injury illness situation and he never looked the same after that no he didn't and we still don't know what exactly happened with that it's something that I think he he clearly didn't really want to get into too much and of course Mm -hmm. we're going to respect that um but yeah he didn't look the same afterward um I think you look at the mid-season rankings I gave him a B you gave him an A or you Mm -hmm. know at the grades and now it's certainly got to be lower than that. I, I think I'm going to give him a, I don't know, maybe a C because you take the whole body of work into account. Yeah. Um, but still, there were times where uh, he didn't use his size consistently enough. That's the mm-hmm. number one thing. Uh, you know, I think at the beginning of the season, too much was asked of him offensively. Like, and I thought he did a good job, yeah. you know, kind of stepping up to the offense early. But that's not the role you really want him to play when you're ideally constructing a blue line mm-hmm. um and so you, you've got to let him do his thing but still I, I think he needs to be more physical and then also there were games in the second half of the season a lot of them where he looked completely lost yep. not just oh he didn't play a great game but he just looked lost yeah no the game seemed too quick for him and that's yep. something you never want to see um yeah you talked about it being more physical you don't even have to like lay guys out just mm-hmm. you're bigger than them just use your body. Get your body between them and the puck. Like it, it can just be as simple as that. They're not going to be able to stop you all the time. I still go back to that Alex Debrinket one, where Alex yes. Debrinket basically just uses his little tiny frame compared to Alexiak and gets his body between Alexiak and the puck. And there's no reason that that should ever happen. I think I brought it up at the time. Alexiak's like 11 inches taller or 10 inches taller and outweighs him by like 60 pounds. Like, no, yep. you just can't be doing that kind of stuff. And the other thing is, you're 6'7", you've got a heck of a reach. Use that. Use your reach. Use your stick. Think of Chara, Dougie Hamilton back in the day. Remember when the two of them were paired together in Boston like 100 oh, yeah. years ago? And and there was like between the two of them and their reaches, they basically could just like create a wall on the ice that nobody could get around. Because anywhere you went, one of the two of them was going to be able to reach to poke check with a step, you know? And and mm-hmm. I just think of, you know, Jamie Alexiak at no point this season really seemed committed to using his reach like that 
or his size. And, and even if you just picked one, greatly change how the season went for him. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I'm maybe B minus if I give him the benefit of the doubt because of the injury and everything. But yeah, I, th- I think more in the C plus range realistically for how the season ended that. And, um, can you believe he got 182 hits this year? Like I'm looking at him on the hit really? charts with everybody else. And I'm like, this is very generous because mm-hmm. that's, that's one off Larson for the team lead. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I think that's pretty generous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's probably so big he's in position to make some kind of contact yeah. with with people enough times where, you know, generous off-ice officials, oh, that's a hit, that's a hit, go ahead. Yep. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then the last thing, part of the reason I gave him such a good grade at the beginning of the year was advanced stats-wise, he was doing very, very well, and that certainly did not continue the second half of the season. Because I'd, right. I'd said at the midpoint, you know, I test, there's a lot of things I don't like, but the numbers are saying he's doing well. Now, it's I test isn't saying great things and the numbers aren't saying great things so it's unfortunate you know it just means it's not great yep. uh Carson Soucy though oh boy <laughs> I think I, I gotta go with an A for this guy I've I've talked about it many many times I was totally sleeping on him I had no idea who he was coming from Minnesota uh and so he definitely surprised me blew me out of the water with his offensive abilities loved the breakout passes he could make from his own zone um and and a guy who you know would use his size again not of not overly physical not going to lay guys out or anything but at least defensively knew how to you know use his six five frame and get himself between you know the puck and an opposing player. Exactly, I, he contributed in so many areas of the game. I mean, defensively, what he can do with his size—it's kind of what we hoped Alexiak might be. Mm-hmm. Offensively, I mean, career high ten goals. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, but and he's clearly the second uh priority defenseman you know offensively for like leading the power play and whatnot um you know he was on that second power play unit for a while and with how he's been playing i i agree with that uh in the mid-season rankings he said you know he's on a path to play a hockey the rest of the way and he certainly did yeah um yeah great season from carson Susi, and you could see there's a reason why they did not move him at the deadline why they didn't move him earlier because we had had pinned him as maybe someone that uh, they would move mm-hmm. as early as the start of the season. Yeah. Um, and good job hanging on to him. Yeah, no, I think I think he's earned potentially a bigger role next season. I think he should be a staple on that second pairing uh, yep. with whoever it is, Alexiak, you know, whoever. Um, I think he's deserved that. I agree with you. I think deserves to get a look at the power play next season. We'll see. Bringing in Riker Evans probably, certainly for camp. Maybe, you know, if he's there, maybe you want him on that second unit. But for the time being, I think that that's, that's Carson Soucy's spot. It's his to lose, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, just great hockey all the way around. Not not yeah. us, not too much you got to say <laughs> past that. Um, Who we got next? I think next, well, Lauzon, we don't really need to talk about, right? Because he's, yeah. he's gone, him and Gio. It's 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 a tie between Will Borgen and Hayden Fleury at 36 games apiece, RJ. Hmm. Who do you want to Let's talk about? Let's go Will Borgen. He, he had okay. to wait play this season so long. We should get to him first. Okay. Um, I really liked once Will Borgen kind of settled into the groove towards the end of the mm-hmm. season. I was liking what I was seeing. Physical, can kind of step, off, step up offensively. I like the way uh, he shoots. 
they're very tippable shots i felt like for guys and and they they're very good at finding their way through traffic to to be hard for the goaltender um and i liked his choices when taking a shot too i like that sometimes he'd hold on to it for a second kind of let a, a forward kind of slide their way out of being in the shooting lane because their momentum mm-hmm. was going to carry them or there were some times where him and larson were the only two defensemen who would just kind of catch and shoot right away and I, and I like that kind of quick release that he was he would have. Um, otherwise, defensively, young guy needs needs to learn some stuff still. Definitely, but I think there's some room to grow. And offensively, I'm glad you've seen the light, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I talked about how I liked you know what he brought on the offensive side of things. He's so good at holding the point. You mentioned shot selection. Uh, you know, can be sneaky, dangerous mm-hmm. in those situations. I just need to put him in more. Uh, yeah, defensively, he can learn some things. Uh, you know, he's got really good physicality when he's going, but not always. Yeah. Um, you know, tracking the puck, things like that, can be improved. Uh, but I, I think there's uh, you know, there's definitely room to improve. And I think, uh, you know, he's committed to that too, and was working on it, especially early in the season. Um, so I'll give him a B. I- I'm happy with what he's relative to expectations, you yeah. know, to what he's done this season. No, I'm right there with you. I think B for Borgen, it's, it's a good spot to be, <laughs> um, really defensively. I think almost all of his problems could be solved just head on a swivel. Um, yep. but I feel like he was starting to get that as the season went on it does not feel as like helpless as me like shouting that from you know the hilltops at Jeremy Lausanne like I don't yep. I don't feel that same way I feel like this is just a coaching thing and again but prior to this season easy to forget Will Borgen had only played 14 NHL games yep and he missed pretty much all of last season with an injury too right he was coming in pretty cold uh so now that he's finally settled into a rhythm post trade deadline got some games under his belt I like what I'm seeing yeah, no, and and again, he's only played 50 now for his career. So, <laughs> you know, far from a finished product, but I, I think he's he's in a good spot moving into next year. And I do like that he was able to handle, you know, he wasn't really sheltered at all either, zone start-wise. Like, like the coaching staff uh, gained trust in him as the season went on, and I think that that's important too. So excited uh, at what Will Borgen could uh, bring next year. Hayden Fleury... Though, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is Hayden Fleury even going to be a Kraken, RJ? I would say probably not. Um, and the contract is the big thing. He's got a qualifying offer over 1.5 million, which again is doable. They have the yeah. cap space for it. Um, but you know, is he going to be worth that? Is he, uh, even at the point where he's going to make your top six? I don't think so. And do you want to be? paying that much for a seventh defenseman and it'll be probably above that threshold too, where you can, you know, send him down consequence free mm-hmm. on the salary cap. It was probably going to be above that. So I don't know if they're even going to give him a qualifying offer, but turning to the on ice stuff, you know, he had some moments this season. We've seen the potential in him. You've talked about him quite a bit about what he can bring, but I think he just didn't string it together consistently enough. No, which is, essentially been the story of his career to this point at every stop of the way just can never quite figure it out and keep it together for a long stretch of time and at some point you know we talked about will borgen not having a ton of experience this is a guy who had 167 games in in carolina which really knows how to get the most out of their defensemen and stuff 
Like, yeah. like if, if they weren't going to get it all out of him and, and figure out the consistency kind of tells you why they were maybe willing to move on from him. Um, and then obviously couldn't quite get it done this year either. It's, it's really frustrating. I, I mean, I've, I've said this from preseason, uh, fabulous shot, wonderful shot. Doesn't really use it that much. Um, and yeah, defensively, I just felt like there wasn't really anything there. Now, there wasn't anything there overtly bad either, but it was just kind of like he was just a non-factor almost all of the time, really, when he was out there. Yeah, it certainly felt that way. And I mean, the only uh, the, the only thing I can say really in his defense, too, is that it, it probably wasn't entirely his fault mm-hmm. in that he had a lot of injuries. Yeah. You know, he had some injury problems to deal with, uh, especially at the end of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. a- as soon as it felt like he was finally going to get some consistent playing time, like with a, with a Will Borgen, you know, you get that what we think is a concussion, pr- pretty sure is a concussion. Yeah. Uh, and it eventually, I think, ended his season. Um, so that's a rough break. But overall, body of work, I- I've got to go with the D and-, and only not an F because of the, the injuries. Yeah, I-, I think high D if there is such a thing. D plus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I just, I was, I was kind of disappointed based on the expectations going into the year. I was really excited to have him around and it just never quite reached that, um, that level for me. Um, I guess real quick, do you want to say anything about Dennis Chalowski, Kale Fleury or Derek Pouliot? I mean, Pouliot's not going to be here next year. No, he's not. I think we could do some some quick hits. I think Pouliot did about as well as you could have reasonably yeah. expected coming into that situation. He was there as as a warm body and as a placeholder pretty yeah. much. Uh, Chalowski, I actually kind of liked his four games. Mm-hmm. I, I would have liked a more extended look at him, especially what he was able to do offensively on a yes. team that sorely needed it. Yep. Uh, I was happy with what I saw. And then Kale Fleury ah, just looked really raw. You know, some good moments, more bad moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked you mentioned, uh, you know, in post games and stuff, you saw a lot of the number eight, just knowing that he has back turned, mm-hmm. you know, to the play, uh, which you never want to see. He needs coaching. Yes. Um, I think he could benefit from another season uh, in Co- or uh, a season, first season in Coachella Valley. Yes, that's what I was going to say. If you're going to keep him around, I think AHL level, probably the first guy you call up. But for the most part, yeah. you don't want him kind of just being a healthy scratch at the NHL level. That's not going to help his development. That's not no, going to make him games. better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, that's um, I pretty much agree with that on uh, all those guys there. All right, forwards. Here we go, RJ. Should we switch over and do it by points now? Let's yeah, let's do it played. by points now. Yeah. All right, Jared McCann, RJ. Make make your <laughs> case as to why he was you know the top Kraken player this year. Because a lot of people felt that way. <laughs> yes, uh, a lot of people did feel that way, and I do feel that way. Um, on a team that that really lacked finishers, you know, he was the team's best finisher. Mm-hmm. And when you lead the team in scoring, getting only 16 minutes a night of ice time, mm-hmm. uh, you're playing really well. And, and the shooting percentage was quite reasonable, too. I think, what, 13%. Yeah. Um, and, and off the ice, too. I mean, he was the first player to re-sign with the Kraken. Uh, he's always had that commitment here. And I know, we, you know, we don't necessarily do the grades based on that, but I think it was really important for the organization. Um, and yeah, just a finisher. He was able to bring a dimension to the offense that no one else really could at times, mm-hmm. uh, including the power play. Um, so yeah, I, I think he gets an A for me. He got an A for me in the midseason grades and he's just continued to do well. What position is he in your mind? 
<laughs> you know, I think he he is a winger who can play center. I think he he's perfectly capable of playing center. If I had a deeper team, you know, that he was on, like if I were the Penguins, you know, if he was still there, I would put him at 3C and I would love for him to be my third line center mm -hmm. and just put anyone with him on the wings because he can generate a lot of offense himself. Yeah. Uh, on this team, longer term, just given what they have, I think he projects as a winger. Yeah. Um, but I have no problem with him at center. But that's a good question. What do you think? No, I kind of feel the same way. I think he, realistically he's probably a winger. He's a finishing winger um, who you can move over to play center when you need him to, uh, if an injury occurs, something like that. But realistically, I felt like he was more effective offensively when he was on the wing. And, um, and at the end of the day, really, that's, that's why he's there. Like he's, he's a good defensive guy. Uh, I like how low he'll play in the zone. I think he picked up a thing or two from Crosby those years in Pittsburgh. Um, I like what he does defensively and all that, but but realistically, like you said, he is he is their finisher. He was their only finisher this year. From a, I, I hesitate to say consistently because there were plenty of droughts with him, just like there was for everybody. But as consistent as anybody you had when it came to finishing with the puck, uh, that that was him. Um, I just yeah, can can like the Krakens, you know, best guy be be a winger? I know you and I have had this argument for years about you know, wingers, not quite as important as centers, mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. The other thing I will point out, offensive zone start percentage. You ready for this one with him, RJ? Oh boy, here we go. 67.7% of the time he was starting in the offensive zone. That is like, you know, 19 year old top prospect level sheltering almost. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, it's, it's volume shooter usage as well. It's, yeah. it's Ovechkin level. It's Pedersen yeah. level. It's, I think Stamkos, you know, in one of these recent seasons level. Um, and they they did play him in a very specific defined role. And I mean, that's why his ice time mm -hmm. wasn't as high as some of these other guys you're going to see. He's out there to go score. Um, and, and, you know, whether he's certainly not their most complete player. No. I'll give you that. Yeah, no, um, I know. Um, I, I just think it's kind of surprising given how well he played defensively. Like, I don't know right. that he needed to be sheltered that much. I'm not sure. That no, I, I don't think he did. Yeah. And I think he certainly could have been given more ice time. That's one of my uh, criticisms for Hackstall as we look back right. at the season, was not giving Jared McCann more ice time. And I think if they had just made him a winger from the beginning, his ice time would be higher. Because I think what's dragging this number down a lot was when he was their 3C. Yep. And for a couple games, their 4C. Like, he was, like, on the fourth line for a while for whatever reason. Again, the lines being so inconsistent and being all over the place hurt a lot of these guys. And I think that's partly why you saw the extended goal droughts from everybody was just yep. because of that. Um, but I think if you, if you commit to McCann being a winger next year, because you have Matty Beniers now, um, depending on you know who you bring in over the offseason, all that kind of stuff, um, I think that ice time will be a lot higher next year. And I would love to see him be given a little bit more control of the power play. Like mm -hmm. they put him in different spots. He looked good just about everywhere, but very rarely was he ever kind of the guy who could just kind of take charge of it. And I feel yeah. like that's like, that's the obvious thing is to let Agreed. him be the guy. I mean, you look, Daniel Sprong was made the centerpiece of the power play more often than Jared McKay yeah, was. Made no sense. That's got to change for sure. So um, grade wise for McCann, I'll give him a B plus. Okay, so leaving some room for improvement there. All right. 
Yeah. And again, I don't know how much of that's him versus the situations he was put in. But I also mm. I also do feel that like, you know, there were times where he just disappeared. There were whole games where I was just like, is Jared McCann even playing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now there's, there's a lot of guys we can say that about. That <laughs> I was going to say, there's a, Adam Larson, that's who. Yeah. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yanni Gord. I mean, he's a guy you always notice when he's out there. Uh, I thought Yanni Gord played very, very well over the course of the season. Quietly accumulated 48 points and 21 goals. Um, and realistically, you know, ultimately finally settled into that kind of role that we thought he would based on his usage in Tampa, which is high energy guy, going to be solid defensively, going to make sure you're playing most of the game in the offensive zone, but maybe not going to always finish all those chances you're going to get in the offensive zone. Exactly. And, you know, we talked about McCann not being the most complete player on the team. I think Yanni Gord is the most complete player mm-hmm. on the team. I mean, he did everything. He was second on the team in scoring. He played shutdown center, faced some really tough matchups and brought a ton of energy, especially once uh, Tanev was out of the lineup uh, for the rest of the season. And, and that was really important for everyone. Also became a fan favorite, you know, winning that oh, yeah. award. Um, there's just Every little thing you, you can imagine he did right. I, this grade can't be anything but an A. Exactly. No, it's an A for me. This will be the last time I say anything about McCann, but I am going to point out, played the same no amount point. of games, Yanni Gord minus 13, McCann minus 26. So I know plus minus doesn't say everything, but literally McCann double in the negative there. There's something to be said for that. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you get the last word quoting plus minus. Go ahead. <laughs> I, know, I know. You'll let me get that all day. Um Otherwise, yeah, Yanni Gord, I feel like one of the few guys uh, in this forward group that can play all facets of the game. You can have him out there, even strength, giving him a ton of ice time. You want him out there on one of your power play units. You for sure want him out there on the PK. Uh, Oh, yeah. I just love those guys that you just, you have confidence in regardless of the situation. And uh, I just love that. And he's kind of the epitome of that, certainly on this team. But I think on a lot of teams around the NHL, he would be. So just so, so happy to have Yanni Gord around. And I, towards the end of the season, once they kind of made his line, like certainly him, Kuhlman, and then kind of whoever, that line was always kind of the most fun to watch. And at times the most effective Kraken line. Like I said, not always finishing, but certainly always kind of keeping the game played in the opposing team's zone. And that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one surprises me. Third highest score on the team, Jordan Everly. Cause I know, right? It doesn't feel like it, does it? It really doesn't. Lots of ups and downs on the year. That being said, finished with 21 goals. That's, you know, not terrible at mm-hmm. all. Um, I don't know. How, how, do you, how do you judge the season for Jordan Everly? It's, it's a difficult one to judge because you look at the overall total numbers and they seem okay. Like if mm-hmm. you had showed me that at the start of the season, just the goals, assist points, I'd be like, okay, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good as advertised season for Jordan Everly. But you look into it and, and there were definitely some highs, definitely some lows. Um, I, I think you know, there, there was a lack of effort at times especially mm-hmm. once the team was no longer in contention mm-hmm. and particularly defensively and on the back check. Yep. These are things we pointed out uh, that could have been better. I think also, you know, one thing that's really important is that career long goal drought that he had mm-hmm. from December to February. And that really hurt because they weren't out of it completely out of it yet. I mean, if you're able to score at a good clip during that time, um, it, it could feel like a very different season. Uh, yeah. But he didn't, and the whole team kind of went down with that. Um, 
those were really long losing streaks, I think he could have helped. Jeez, uh, overall, I like what grade do you give this? I, B minus, maybe? That's what I had written down, but I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Like, it just kind of feels okay. right. B minus for me. Um, it's kind of crazy because you look at it and he's, I mean, this was this was a Jordan Everly season. He scored between 20 and 25. He was mm-hmm. basically non-existent on the power play, which told y'all there was plenty of people arguing with me about that one preseason when I kept bringing it up. Certainly lots of Islanders fans. I know they're probably not listening to this, but I told you not a power play guy for whatever reason. I don't understand why, but it, he just disappears on the power play. Um, his shooting percentage perfectly in line with what he does in his career. Uh, just, it's just very strange, just, just very strange. I want, and I, couldn't quite figure out how to do this. Uh, certainly, I'm no Allison. I want to know how many of those 21 goals were scored, like, in how many games. Because right. it wouldn't surprise me if that was, like, 15 games. Right. I mean, he when he was on, he was really on. I mean, he had, you know, that hat trick there. I, I should look into this. You could just go into the game log and figure it out. It'll take yeah. a little time. But, um, yeah, definitely. I, he was very hot or very cold. Um and it, it's weird to see these numbers that, again, look good and still to see that there was so much like meat left on the bone there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if things go better and he, I guess, has also more of a reason to, you know, to try and be more competitive um, later into the season, I think we could see some real uh, good stuff from him next year. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like he likes the organization like Seattle and all that kind of stuff. But you do wonder um, being one of the older guys on the team. Uh, you know, your family's probably more situated where you were. It, you know, you yep. probably have a family in a way some other guys don't, right? Yep. It's a little easier for some, the young guys to pick up and move, a little harder for, for somebody like Jordan Eberle. And, and how much of that just kind of factored into it. And then once the team kind of goes through that first stretch of losing, you just kind of check out a little bit. Um, I could certainly see that. But otherwise, not a whole lot of reasons why, it, yeah, he shouldn't have been better. 70% offensive zone starts. Oh, okay. You want to talk about McCann? Yeah, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Uh, like, there was there was definitely some more opportunities for him to play a little better. Um, hopefully, we see that next season. Otherwise, yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It's just it's yeah, it's a weird one. This is one that people will look at, you know, years from now and be like, well, that was an okay season. But for those of us who watched it, would be like, mm-hmm. we're gonna all remember it and go, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Exactly. And, and he brought up a good point, too. He has a family. I, mm-hmm. you know, he cares very much about them. I think they just bought a house recently. So yeah. you know, they're committed to the area and everything. But it's a lot to think about, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of stressors and everything that um, get thrown into your life like that. And, and those aren't things that settle easily. Like, oh, well, the season started. It's just over now. Like, no, yeah. you're still dealing with a lot of stuff. Uh, kids are adjusting to new schools, all that kind of thing. Um, Alexander Wenberg. Remember when we were so like excited for this and he was going to be, he was going to get that chance at the top six role, top six CRJ. And, and it was, you know, Hey, if he can, if he can step up his game one more time from that kind of step up he did in Florida, yeah. you're looking at a really special guy and you know, he was okay. Yep. I, I think he was more or less that same player. I don't think we got mm-hmm. the step up uh, that we were hoping to see. This is more surprising than Eberly that that Wenberg finished fourth on the team in scoring, yes. thirty seven points. Thirty seven points, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for Wenberg, it's another tough one to grade because 
Um, you, you want to talk about inconsistency with some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Wenberg, probably the poster child for that. Um, he had some really, really good stretches mm-hmm. and some really bad stretches where, you know, we were saying he should probably be out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, and, and but when he was on, his lines were dominant. So I think it comes down to the fact that he still hasn't found a concrete place in this lineup Uh, it's something to look at for next season too like where do you put him and i I think the fact that we're still having that conversation shows that this season is a failure to some degree for him um i I was kind of teetering on that c minus d plus uh range for my grade i'll go c minus just because i I take into account what you were talking about um Mm -hmm. in in the mid-season uh grades where you were saying like well expect those are expectations that other people had for him no one should have reasonably expected him to be a top six setter uh so that i guess pushes me to a c minus but what do you think i'm gonna go c plus i don't know i'm a softy i guess but (laughs) i i just feel like you know the the end of the season kind of won me over on him because he was fantastic those last couple of weeks, really the last month for the most part. Like, like after we were really like heavy on the, okay, get him out of the lineup. Like that message somehow found its way to him and he turned <laughs> things around big time. Um, I don't know if it was the tinted visor that changed things. Um, that might be something worth looking into, but he really started to play better. And I, I certainly think the, the Maddie Beneers effect of settling the lineup down improved a lot of guys but i don't think it helped anybody more than alexander wentberg just definitively having that role that he had then and it just felt like everything finally clicked for him and i was seeing like okay this guy's going to be a rock solid bottom six center for this team next year that you can really rely on and and he'll win a lot of matchup games because of that because he's going to be in that bottom six role, but he's probably better than that. But maybe he's not quite a second line center. He's kind of in that trapped in that nowhere's land, but he's going to win a lot of matchups next year because of that. And I think it's, it's going to be to the Kraken's benefit. And that's what gives me confidence going forward for next season. If you can bump him down the lineup enough, he's going to be a plus matchup for guys. Um, So I think that'll be good for him. Um, Yeah. He's one of those guys. I definitely think we'll have a better grade going into next season. Yeah. And great hair. Oh, yeah, of course. Can't question that. <laughs> Not at all. Ryan Donato. Yes. Let's go. I this one. Um, all right. So, I mean, I've, I've, I know our midseason grades must have been very, very high for Ryan Donato. They were. They were both A pluses. <laughs> yeah. A plus in both of us. I might walk mine down to an A minus. Um, okay. I, I think he, he did kind of disappear for a stretch there mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. I felt like a lot of the stuff that was making him successful earlier on in the season his willingness to drive to the net, do all the power moves, all that kind of stuff, slowly got lost. Um, that being said, was always great on the forecheck, always willing to go into the corners. I thought he was very successful there, very good at cycling the puck in the offensive zone, which was something the Kraken struggled with through most of the yep. season. Um, so I still really like just the hustle, the effort, and the little things that Ryan Donato brought to the lineup. Agreed. Yeah, I, I will walk mine back. I was just going to do it to an A. Um, But I think we kind of had the same idea, right? He played himself into healthy scratch territory very Mm -hmm. briefly. Uh, I thought he came back and responded well from that, though. I mean, even like the first game afterward, doing his thing, scoring goal. You could tell he got the message. And uh, getting to play with Matty Beneers, too, for the uh, 
that last 10 games of the season. I think he helped him out a lot. I, th- I thought he was good on that line. Um, and just taking the overall body of work, especially when you compare it to what the expectations were. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came in as kind of this last minute free agent yeah. signing, right? I didn't expect really anything from him. Uh, ends up scoring the first goal in franchise history and, and just exceeding expectations in every area. You know, to get, be sixth on the team in scoring, nobody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, career highs and everything. And an example for like work ethic, dedication, that sort of thing too. He worked really hard this season and, and that does rub off on other players. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's a good guy to have around in the locker room. Um, it'll be interesting to see moving forward because I think realistically, this is probably what you can expect. You can probably expect around 15 goals a year from him, 30 to 35 points realistically. Like I, I do think that's kind of where he's at, but I think he should be able to sustain it. I look at his shooting percentage, 10%. That's sustainable. Yeah. There's, there's no reason to think that that'll drop off next year. A little bit more of a volume guy, but that's fine. I'm okay with that it, given the role he's playing. So, um, I'm excited to see what kind of deal he gets. I think it's probably going to be a shorter deal, probably like a two year kind of thing. Um, but he's he's definitely earned whatever contract he gets. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, boy, boy, Callie there. Sad <laughs> face. Also, again, says a lot. 26 points, still that high on the leaderboard for the Kraken. Kraken got to score more goals next year, RJ. <laughs> uh, Jaden Schwartz. So this one's going to be tough. This one, more than anybody, I feel like at the end of the year, I just want to give an, like an incomplete to. I was going to say incomplete, uh, it, which is tough because, you know, he came back after, uh, you know, we talked about a midseason, uh, you know, midseason, we, we both gave him a C mm-hmm. and we felt like he hadn't, you know, done too much yet. And he's only played eight games since those midseason grades. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot we can change there. Um, you know, with, with that hand injury that at that point, I think it kept about two weeks, but ended up being a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whatever this new injury is that kept him out for the remainder of the season, uh, that, that we don't know what it is, but uh, he's supposed to be ready for the start of next season. Uh, but yeah, incomplete. What, what can you say? While he was playing, though, mm-hmm. like what takeaways did you have from his play? Um, well, at the beginning of the year, very much, where is he supposed to go in this lineup? Yep. And I still think I have that question, especially since Matty Beneers came back and stuff. Like it, it, it's only complicated, kind of how the the lineup's going to shake out. The other thing was just, you know, I didn't feel like he was the Jaden Schwartz I remembered from St. Louis. I no. felt that he was less physical than he was in St. Louis. Um, I, I missed that. I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of room for improvement. I was just looking. He did get 23 points in 37 games. Over an, If he played all 82, he would have led this team in scoring with 51 points. Mm-hmm. And I look at his shooting percentage, 7.9, which, while not a career low, is very much below his career average of 12.1. So there was room for improvement from a goal-scoring standpoint, too. So it was one of those, he never felt effective when he was in the lineup, but he actually was. Like, the numbers say he was, and I just can't. I can't reconcile that in my brain. And um, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, we know he's going to be a top six guy next year. He's going to be given that opportunity. Um, He's going to be part of the leadership core. It's just, it'll be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't really know what to expect. 
the eye test for me matches what you saw as far as him not mm-hmm. really being effective. The numbers tell a different story. Um, but they're going to have to rely on him to be a useful member of the top six because yeah. they're paying him like it with term. He's got four more years yep. left on that contract after this one. So they're going to have to find a place for him. You know, if if he can come back and have that energy level and play the way he played in St. Louis, I think he'd be great um, on playing with Yanni Gord and uh, Carson Kuhlman. Mm-hmm. I think he could bring kind of that that stronger physical edge to that kind of line and um, and be the guy who goes, you know, net front and kind of does some of the dirtier things for that line that but but can still play with that energy and be disruptive and everything. Like I think that would be kind of the ideal place for me um, working him back into the lineup if he's if he's back to 100%. I'd I'd want to see that. I do like that idea too. And you've got, you know, a very strong, feisty uh, line there. And, and also I just like the height, you know, five, nine, five, 10 and five, 11 Carson Kuhlman, tallest of the bunch. Let's, let's go. go. Exactly. Uh, I think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, it, he plays so much bigger than he's listed at. Oh, like, for sure. Like he, he just seems so solid. I guess one ninety on that frame is pretty solid. Five <laughs> ten. That's, that's, that's nice. Um, all right, Morgan Geeky. We talked about him a little bit earlier, going to play for Team Canada. Up and down year, if there ever was one. But I guess that's the case for a lot of these guys. I will say, talked about him. Face-off king was the face-off king for the Kraken, really. Yes, he was. And that's something that uh, you pointed out before the season started, and you were absolutely right. Uh, I think another thing you pointed out this time during the midseason grades, you were definitely lower on him than I was. And... I do think you were right. Uh, you mentioned that he was, you know, he's a fourth liner and that you struggled to see the upside anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've got to agree with you at this point. Um, if you want to have a bottom six forward, he's got to contribute uh, in other ways besides face-offs. Yeah. Um, and I don't see enough of that. Um, you know, defensively, I think he's fine. Certainly not bad defensively, but for a player with his skill set, You'd like to see him contribute more on the forecheck and um, you know, just use his shot too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's someone who we were talking about potentially being like a sneaky 20 goal scorer or more at the start of the season, knowing what he can do with his shot. Uh, and he just hasn't done that at all. And the biggest question for me is I just, I don't know where he fits on this team next year, given what they have at center. Yeah, uh, I don't either. I kind of liked him playing fourth line wing a little bit. At the end of the year, I I really felt that was the most effective he was. You talked about it earlier, him playing with Shahan down there. That was the best we had kind of seen from him all year, certainly in a long while. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a guy, remember when he was the trigger man on the power play at the beginning of the year? Like they were trying to force pucks to him for, for him to yeah. one time. Like that's how the season started. And um, yeah, it just, it never materialized I. I don't want to say that it was like, oh, it was bad luck. Like, we're going to talk about Donskoy next. And a lot of that was just bad luck and stuff. But you could still tell that there was a, a hockey, a really smart hockey player there that knew how to be effective despite not scoring. And I don't feel like you can say the same thing about Morgan Geeky this year. I, I don't feel like he was always finding ways to help the team out and do whatever needed to get done to stay in the lineup and and to just be the most effective player he could for the team. It just felt like when things weren't really working out for him, certainly at center, he was just kind of getting lost. Um, yeah, I agree. And you so, can't have that. Great, great time. Um, I'll, I'll give him a, a, a D plus. 
yeah, D for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, love to see him work it out and figure it out for next year. But I, I think next year is probably it. Like if, yeah. if, if he, he can't and, and probably, you know, short leash too. Like if he can't figure it out first, like 30 games, probably going somewhere else. Realistically, yeah, I mean, you look at they'll probably have a free agent acquisition. You'll have guys like Cole Lind who are going to be competing mm-hmm. for that spot. Yep. Um, th- there'll be guys there ready to take it. Yep. Unistonskoy, RJ. Oh boy. How do we, how do we judge this one? Like I said, he found ways to stay productive and effective and to help out the team. But wow. Just seeing that, that solo two, you just like who deleted the, the zero behind it, you know, <laughs> that goals column. Two goals, 20 assists, uh, a frustrating, unlucky season for Jonas Donskoy. Um, and I think, what, I, you gave him a B, I gave him a B- minus in the uh, mid-season grades. And what we talked about, and this was very true, is that even though he's not scoring, he's doing all the right things, and he's being incredibly productive. Yeah. Uh, and that was absolutely the case at that time. Yeah. And I think he did kind of let all that bad luck get him off of his game. Yep. It's hard to blame him. Like, I, oh, there's yeah. so much to be like, you know, yeah, if you just can't score a goal to save your life, it's hard to, uh, you know, to keep doing all those things when they're not working. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, he stopped playing well, uh, mm-hmm. and he got himself into healthy scratch territory. Second worst on the team uh, in expected goal percentage, you know, while he's on the ice, 40.5%. Um, and, yeah, just stopped playing as well. Now, and especially relative to expectations, too. This is one where I think we have to grade a little bit tougher given, uh, you know, how good we thought he could be. Mm-hmm. And it's really pretty much the second half of the season uh, mm-hmm. that, that he, you know, disappeared. So, yeah, and good work on the penalty kill. I have to acknowledge yeah. that. Good job on the PK. And like Jared McCann pointed him out as someone who took on a more defensive role and excelled there. And I'll give him that. But I think given what the expectations were coming into the season, looking at the whole body of work, I have no choice but to give it an F. Wow, I wasn't gonna go that harsh. I was gonna bring him down to like a C minus, okay, D plus, just because he still gave you twenty two points, got twenty assists, which isn't you know that's very much that's actually kind of above average for him in his career. Um, I I just think so much of it comes down to just the fact that he shot two point two percent. I know that's unbelievable. That's low for a defenseman. <laughs> Like it's, it's literally unreal. Um, and I do think that the scratches woke him up a little bit at the end of the season and he started playing better. So I want to, I want to try to factor that in too, but I totally understand where you're coming from because it, yes, there was the disappointment of him not being a 20 goal scorer, him not working out on the power player. Again, another guy that was supposed to be like the sneaky feature of the power play. Oh, he's going to be in that bumper spot. He's going to be so creative there. He can really help out the team. Did not materialize at all. Um, it's, it is, it's, it's hard, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. 60% defensive zone starts. Like he was put in tough situations and he handled them well. So uh, I'm I'm not going to go quite as low as you did, but yes, overall disappointing season. And I don't think he'd argue with us either. No, I, I don't think so either. Yeah. And he's definitely committed. He wants to be part of the solution here. Yeah. And he, I think he would tell you he's disappointed in how, in how the yep. season went. Um, and he's identified things he needs to work on. And I think he is probably the top rebound candidate 
you know, of any Kraken player. I mean, how could anybody in the NHL? Like, let's be real. Yeah. He comes out and goes back to being a fifteen to twenty goal scorer again. Like he's just himself. Like it'll just be like this huge story, uh, and it'll be it'll be fun. And I really do hope that he turns back into that, not just for the Kraken, but just for himself too. Like he didn't deserve that season. Uh, yeah. And uh, so hope to hope that things turn around there. Working our way down, Riley Shahan. So the journeyman, you know, kind of brought in just to be a part of things for the year, fill out the lineup, and I want him to stay. <laughs> I do too. I mean, he showed he's solidly an NHLer. I thought mm-hmm. he was going to spend most of the season in Charlotte. Um, and I think he was exactly what the Kraken hoped he could be, a source of stability and just solid defensive play uh, on the fourth line. So I'll give him an A. Yeah, in that sense, I would definitely give him an A. Fantastic on the PK all season long, like consistently there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, you could just say nothing but good things. I thought that his lines towards the end of the season were sometimes their most effective lines on nights. Like, like certainly towards the end of the year. Remember when they they started a game? They had earned the starting yep. lineup spot. Because, and Donskoy. Yep, because they were just playing that way. Um, so I, I, and I think a lot of that comes down to him and, and all the work he put in this year. And, and it takes a lot to be consistent like that on a season that goes like this as a guy who's not thought of as one of the core members, you know what I mean? Like for him to step up and kind of take control of what he could take control of and, and keep it all together and solid and, and be a rock on the PK and all that kind of stuff. It's very, very impressive. I'm for sure giving him an A. Uh, absolutely yep. love it, and, and we'll see if he comes back next year. Um, next on the team is technically Brandon Tanev, but <laughs> we haven't seen him in the second half of the season. So No, he has not played a single game since our midseason grades, where we, we both gave him an A+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, maybe so. bump that down to regular age since we it was just that video of him at the school. Did he join the broadcast one time? He did for a period. I don't even think okay. it was a whole period, but he did. Okay. He did for about ten minutes. So just because um, I want of him, that's that's the only issue. Yeah, and you know what? He wasn't as good as he could have been. So yes, he could drop that down from an A plus to, for, a, you know, to for an the, a. the broadcasting skill. Yeah, he wasn't as uh, as entertaining as I was hoping. So now that might have been my expectations being too high. But bottom line, Tanev, just show up next year. You're gonna be great. Everybody's gonna love him. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, like all that good stuff. Exactly. Matty Beneers, let's go. Um, a plus plus plus. Yeah, who's plus, gonna plus. be the first one to give him an A plus? Yeah, I mean, right on it. He was everything we wanted and more. Single-handedly re-energized the franchise. I mean, how do you grade that? Uh, nine points in ten games. Uh, what more can you say about him? Uh, you, you really can't. Again, I think in some ways the biggest thing he did for this team was just he got Hackstall to settle on the lineup. Mm-hmm. And we just saw how much that affected everybody over those last 10 games that Matty Beneers played. Forget about the fact that he was helping them score more. Just the fact that he settled down the lineup and everybody like could visibly take a breath and figure out where they were, what their job was, and then just go out and execute their job. Like That was such a big thing for this team. Um, so very, very happy about that. Otherwise, Matty Beneers, obviously great shot, good hockey smarts, the hustle's elite. I like the little things he does, the way he protects the puck. He always keeps his body between himself and the defender and the puck. Like he makes sure to get his body in between there. 
I like the way he'll get creative on zone entries. I mean, he'll just enter the zone backwards because that's the best way to enter the zone and protect the puck. And he does it without thinking. And that that's the kind of stuff that tells me he's going to be something special moving forward. For sure. I mean, it, you said it really well. All those little things. The scoring is just even far down the list as far as what's <laughs> impressive about him. Uh, you know, as any of the players or, coach, or coaches will tell you. Yeah. So I, really the only question with him moving forward is, RJ, is he your, your first line centerman to start next season? I think, I mean, depends what how the offseason goes. You never know who you could bring in, but I think yes. Yeah, I, I think He's so. He's ready to handle it. I think it's one of those that you're probably going to use him in the Gord line about the same. So I don't know that like yeah. one will be your first line. But um, but yeah, he's he's earned that based on how he played this year. Um, Victor Rask, we don't need to spend a ton of time on him because I don't think he's coming back, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised I, you would say that, Dylan. You don't want to take 40 minutes on Victor Rask? It's, we're already almost at an hour and a half. It's going on a all long right, time. Right. But, you know, and like I said, if I felt like strongly that he was coming back, I would. But realistically, I don't think Victor Rask is coming back next year. Um, but he, he played well. In, in certain opportunities, he helped them win games. There were games that his, you know, his goal here or there was making the difference for them. And that's all you can ask for somebody that you bring in um, essentially just to have a body to finish the season. Yep. All right. Carson Kuhlman. Again, just somebody really not having a lot of expectation for at all, um, but comes in and just with his energy and his style of play and the smarts in which he plays with, and sure, some chemistry with Yanni Gord probably helped out too. Um, became this guy that, like, I I don't want to see a Kraken team without him. Agreed. I mean, for a waiver pickup, I don't think we necessarily saw this coming. We, mm. we heard that he was fast, that he had this energy. Um, you know, Boston fans in our comments were talking about how we would like to have him, but uh, I, I don't think we, we understood at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's hopefully played his way into another contract with the Kraken. I would love to see that. You mentioned the chemistry with Yanni Gord and Gord talked about him too glowingly after the season, you know, talking about how he's, you know, a North South player. Like he's, he's a predictable guy and, and Gord uses that adjective a lot in a positive sense, predictable. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what he likes to play with guys who, you know, exactly where they're going to go, what they're going to bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Kuhlman certainly brought that. Um, and as we mentioned, he gets to go uh, play for team USA in the uh, world championships. Yeah, that's not nothing. So I, Are I we just... giving him an A yet? Oh, no, but it's an A. Yeah, no, it's definitely an A. Uh, loved everything that he brought to the table for this team. And yeah, I, I want to see him next year and, and see if kind of given an opportunity, maybe you give him that top six spot on Yanni Gord's wing and see what he can do offensively. See if those numbers pick up because, yep. you know, not, not a huge goal scorer, rocking that career 5.7% shooting percentage, not great. But you never know when, when given certain opportunities, uh, guys will surprise you from time to time. They will. And he can push other people further down the lineup, which is that always helps you. Yes. Yeah. Winning those matchups uh, deeper down the lineup. Always, always nice. Um, coming towards a close here, RJ Cole Lind. So we talked about him earlier. He's someone that some guys are going to have to be competing with for lineup spots. Um, I, I loved Cole Lind every game he was in there. If, if you took half the amount of posts he hit and t- counted them as goals, you know how much further up this this board he'd be, this 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 points board. 
Oh, so quite a bit, even that uh, it doesn't take a lot to get really far up there. Yeah, that's true. But um, I just loved the energy that Colin played with and his willingness to take on different roles with this team, depending on where he was slotted into the lineup and at different points this year when we saw him called up and, and put in different positions. There was times where it was clear. He was like, okay, my job is to just go out here and try to win battles on the four check. And so I'm going to just focus on doing that and try to do that to the best of my abilities. Other times it was clear that, you know, he felt his role was to try to be a depth scorer and really focus on goal scoring. And eventually it finally paid off for him. He got two goals. Um, but I, I just love players that are willing to adapt to fill that spot in the lineup because they're just trying to make their dream come true. And it just makes you want to root for them and makes you want to support them and, and uh, makes you want to see them come back for more. Exactly. I mean, he has that versatility and I think it's going to serve him well, especially next season as it's probably going to be pretty competitive, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the bottom six to get in the lineup and, and just to see where he can fit in. The fact that he looked really good on Yanni Gord's wing, I thought was mm-hmm. impressive. And you know, kind of trying to play that Carson Kuhlman type role of, of being a player that Yanni Gord can work with. Uh, and he did really well in that spot. He had this really good, uh, you know, centering pass from kind of behind the net that I remember. I think Gord ended up, it hit the goalie and then the crossbar it was so close to going Mm in um but being able to think at that level too uh shows that he he probably has what it takes to stick around so um i'm happy with colin i'm gonna give him a b plus um just because you know i think again not like perfect you know but uh play very well yeah i was gonna give him a b so on the same page there uh and then i think last guy here and really did anybody like kind of epitomized the Kraken season more than Daniel Sprong. <laughs> Didn't really expect anything from him. Comes in, does some nice things, goes into a prolonged gold drought instantly afterwards, uh, but then kind of works their way out of that, inconsistent on the power play. Like, all the all the things you could use to describe Daniel Sprong, you could just describe this whole team. I do like that comp there. Sprong with just the Kraken as a whole. Um <laughs> I mean, yes, six goals, no assists. Uh, he is a pure finisher, as pure as it gets. Uh, we saw exactly what he brings. Um, they based the power play around him for a period of time, which, hey, for someone that Ron Francis basically said, oh, yeah, this is just a guy they wanted to throw into the trade. Yeah, um, it, it was a pretty good showing. Um, I don't know that I could have asked a whole lot more, uh, you know, <laughs> given what the expectations were. I'm going to give him a solid B plus. Just the fact that he stuck around and did something that we're talking about him right now. Um, and, you know, say what you will about the lack of defense, because mm-hmm. there certainly is a lack of, of defensive skill with <laughs> yeah. him. But I will say if the Kraken have this guy all season, I think it's a net positive for them. Like this for what this season yeah. was. Yeah, just no, given the finishing ability. No, I had to. I had to adjust my like expectations with talking about him, or when we'd have conversations with people on the post game lives and stuff, because, like, I in my mind, like, okay, this is not the kind of guy that you can win a Stanley Cup with, or that a good team would would have around. Right. But at the same time, the Kraken could not score goals, and if and if this guy can only score goals and do it at a decent dish clip then yes, he makes sense on the Kraken. And so for this team, given what they struggle with, he is the medicine for that. And um, when you have so many guys that can back check and stuff, you can kind of pair him with people who can help make up for his deficiencies. 
Um, but yes, there was no one else that you felt really on this team that if they got a breakaway, you would actually like get excited and feel like, hey, there's, yep. there's a good 50% chance this might go in. Like, I don't know that there was anybody else on the team that I felt that same excitement for throughout the course of this year. So um, I've, I guess I've kind of come around a little bit on Sprong. Um, I'm going to give him a B minus. I, I can't come all, all the way around. No, I understand. It. I but, understand. I, it just goes down to personal differences. I but think. for the Kraken and for what they needed this year, I do think that he was in some ways the answer or an answer. <laughs> the answer. Yes. Daniel Sprong. <laughs> we close it on that. Exactly. So, um, I mean, anybody you want to touch on? We, we talked about Max McCormick earlier. He's really the only guy left, him and True. But I don't feel like we really ever saw a good sample size of Alexander True to, to talk about him. No, agreed. We got eight games. Uh, eight Averaged eight minutes of ice time in those eight games. Yeah. It, um, just not enough. No. Um so, so that's that is it. We really worked our way through that whole lineup, RJ. It is interesting. Um, I, I really do feel like consistency moving forward is going to be key, and I I got to think that that's going to help a lot of these guys. And for me, a lot of it comes down to just going through that by points for those forwards and and kind of seeing these pretty kind of dismal point totals for a lot of them, despite seeing how well a lot of them played over the course of the season. I got to think that that can change next year uh, and that the Kraken can get more goals and generate more offense as everybody, you know, hopefully solidifies where they're going to be in the lineup and what their individual jobs and roles are. Especially if that can be pushed down a little bit in the lineup. I think yep. you had guys probably being forced to try and do too much this season. Um, and we saw with Matty Beneers coming in the effect that it could have when you mm-hmm. let everyone play a more defined role that's uh, maybe not as challenging. So you bring in some scoring, uh, and I think it could look a lot better. Yes, uh, I agree. But like I said, we're over an hour and a half now, so we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Do want to mention, though, for those of you who are still with us, and thank you for that, um, You know, we, we went through everybody here. One of the other things everybody's wanted has been the expansion draft redraft, and going back and revisiting that. And we kind of briefly thought about trying to work that into this, but it just... They're really kind of two separate things. So that's going to be next week on the deep dive. We're going to keep rolling with these deep dives, even though the Kraken season's over. And we're going to go ahead and do our expansion draft redraft next week and talk about the things that, you know, hindsight being what it is, which is 2020, what Ron Francis could or should have done back then and what things he he got right that maybe, you know, we weren't expecting at the time, like uh, Carson Soucy. At least in my case, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, where's Victor Rask? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so that's what's coming down the pike for everybody there. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope hope the extra half an hour there helped get you through your commute or, or anything, doing, doing some house chores and stuff. And uh, we will see you all next time.